The 14th parak in its entirety discusses lots of different scenarios involving marriages with a chiresh or chireshes, a deaf and dumb man or woman, and how the yibam and chalitza obligations work in such cases. Let's just review some of the general rules which we have seen so far in the past few Mishnayas. If either the man or woman at the time of marriage is a chiresh or chireshes, then that marriage is only valid mid Jabonon. Mid Eraisa, they cannot get married because they haven't got a sufficient level of understanding of what is going on and the halachic significance of the marriage which they are going into, and so it's only considered valid mid Jabonon. We have also seen that since a man requires understanding and intent when divorcing his wife, but a woman can be divorced even against her will, so we see that we do not need her intent and understanding. Because of that, a man who is a chiresh is not able to divorce his wife, but a woman who is a chireshes can be divorced as long as her husband is normal. As well as this, we have also seen that when it comes to yibum, understanding of what is going on is not necessary. The mission at the beginning of the sixth parak taught that as long as the yovam and the yovama have relations together, even if it's forced, even if it's not for the sake of the mitzvah, even if they don't understand what's going on, as soon as they start having relations, they already fulfill the mitzvah of yibum, and they are considered to be husband and wife. And therefore, although chiresh and chireshes cannot get married in a regular case, they are able to perform the mitzvah of yibum and become husband and wife that way. And one of the reasons for this is because they are not starting their own new marriage from beginning. Rather, they are continuing the marriage of the brother who died. So the marriage already exists in the world, he's just taking that marriage and continuing it. And for that, even a chiresh and chireshes are able to do that, and proper intent and understanding is not necessary. On the other hand, when it comes to chalitza, the intent of both the man and woman is necessary, and therefore if even one of them is a chiresh or chireshes, then they are not able to perform chalitza. Now let's move on to the next scenario of this perek. Shneach, if there are two brothers, Reuven and Shimon, echod chiresh, echod pekeach. One of them is a chiresh, Reuven is a chiresh, he's deaf and dumb, and Shimon is a pekeach, he's a normal man. He has got a proper level of understanding. They are married to two women who are not related and who are both Pikreis. Up until now, the Mishnahs have been talking about cases where the two women were sisters. But in the next few cases, we're talking about cases where they are not related. So we'll call them Chana and Miriam. So in this case, Reuben is a Cheresh and he's married to Chana, who is a normal woman. And Shimon is a normal man married to Miriam, who is a normal woman. And then, the Cheresh who is married to the Pekachas, namely Ruvain, dies. What should the Pekach who is married to the Pekachas, namely Shimon, what should Shimon do? In this case, the obligation of Yibum is an obligation with Yabonon, since Ruvain, who died, was only ever married with Yabonon, since he was a Cheresh. And the Mishnah says, Shimon could do Chalitza or Yibum, fulfill the regular mitzvah of Yibum mid Since Chana and Miriam are not related, so the Shemeres Yovam is not a erva of Shimon. This is unlike all the previous cases where they were sisters, and therefore she would be an erva towards Shimon. Alright, what happens if Mes Pekech ala Pekechas? If Shimon, who is the normal man married to the normal woman, if he dies, Mayase Cheresh Bala Pekechas? What should the Cheresh who is married to the Pekachas do? What should Ruvin do? Since he's a Cheresh, he's not able to do Chalitza. So he has to do Yibum, Koines. He should marry her and perform Yibum. And once they're married, they're in Maitzil Oilam. He's not able to divorce her and separate from her forever, since he's a Cheresh and he's not able to divorce his wife. 
Mishnachess. Shneachim Pikchim. If there are two brothers who are Pikchim, they're normal. Nusum Nishtei Nochreis, they're married to two women who are not related to each other. Achas Pikachas, Achas Chireshes. One of them is a Pikachas, one of them is a Chireshes. So in our example of Reuven being married to Hannah and Shimon being married to Miriam, in this case they are all normal except for Miriam. Shimon's wife Miriam is a Chireshes. So Mez Pikach Bala Chireshes. If Shimon the Pekeach married to the Chereshes dies, their marriage was only valid in Jabonon, which means that the obligation of Yibum is also an obligation only in Jabonon. What should Ruvain, who is the Pekeach married to the Pekachas, do? Koines. He has to do Yibum, he cannot do Chalitza, since in this case the Shemeris Yova Miriam is a Chereshes. So he has to do Yibum, and once he's married her, then Rotsa the Haitzi Yaitzi. If he wants to divorce her, he can do so. Since he is normal, he's able to divorce her. It doesn't matter that she is a Chereshes, because we do not need her intent. We don't need her understanding in order to divorce her. So as long as the man is not a Chereshes, he is able to divorce her. Alright, what happens if Mace Pekach Bala Pekachas? If Reuven, who is the Pekach married to the Pekachas, dies, Mayase Pekach Bala Chereshes. What should the, what should Shimon, who is the Pekach married to the Chereshes, Miriam? What should Shimon do? So in this case, both the Yovom and the Shemeris Yovom are normal. Both Shimon and Chana are normal, and therefore, you can either do Chalitza or Yibum. This would be fulfilling a mitzvah mit Eraisa, since the man who died was married on a mit Eraisa level. And in this case, you could even do Chalitza, since there is no Cheresh or Cheresheth involved. Mishnah test, final Mishnah, final scenario. Shnei Achim, if there are two brothers, Echot Cheresh, Echot Pekeach. One of them, Reuven, is a Cheresh, whereas Shimon is a Pekeach. And as soon as Jinochreis, they are married to two women who are not related to each other. Achas Chereshes, Achas Pekachas. One of them is a Chereshes, Reuven's wife, Chano, and one of them, Shimon's wife, Miriam, is a Pekachas. So what's the scenario? We have Reuven and Chano, who are both deaf and dumb, they're married to each other. And we have Shimon married to Miriam, and they are both normal. If Reuven, who is the Cheresh married to the Cheresheth, dies, what should Shimon, who is the Pekeach married to the Pekachas, do? So in this case, the Shemeris Yovom is a Cheresheth, so they can't do Chalitza, and therefore Koines will have to marry her and perform Yibum. Then if he wants to divorce her after having married her, Yaitzi, he's able to do so. Since the man is a Pekeach, it does not matter that the woman is a Cheresheth, he is still able to divorce her. What happens if Shimon, who is the Pekeach, married to the Pekachas, if he dies? What should Reuven, who is the Cheresh, married to the Cheresheth, do? Since he's a Cheresh, he can't do Chalitza, and therefore Koines, he has to marry his Yavama and perform Yibum. And once he has done that, he is not able to divorce her forever, since he, the husband, is a Cheresh. And in order to divorce one's wife, one has to have proper understanding and intent, and since he is a Cheresh, he is not able to divorce her. The subject of the final two prokim of the Masechta is testimony about somebody dying. And we'll see lots of scenarios where somebody goes abroad and not all of the people who went abroad return and the one who returns claims that the one who didn't return died while they were abroad. As well as that, the Mishnahis are going to discuss when one is able to testify that he saw somebody dead. If he saw somebody about to die, but he hadn't yet literally died, is that good enough to give testimony? We'll see. But the Mishnah begins with a case where a woman went with her husband abroad, and when they went, there is peace between him and her, they're in a state of harmony together, and there is peace in the world, and that means they did not go to a place where there is a war. 
And then after a while, when they were abroad, she came back, Uvos Omra, and she came to Bastin and said, Meis Bali, my husband died. The halach is, Tinosei, she is allowed to remarry somebody else, and she is believed. And if they didn't have any children, she's also believed, Meis Bali, if she says that my husband died, Tisyabim, she would be able to perform Yibum, and she's believed in that scenario as well. And even though in general we require two witnesses to establish the fact that somebody is dead, we've already seen at length in the 10th Perek that because of Takonas Agunois, which means something which was fixed for the sake of women to be able to remarry, otherwise the woman might end up not being able to remarry forever, her husband has disappeared. And if all of the conditions of evidence and witnesses and testimony aren't fulfilled, then she'll never be able to remarry again. And therefore even one witness and even the woman herself, his wife herself, who is of course involved and affected by the testimony, and in general that would be also a reason to invalidate her. However, because of Takonas Agunais, in order to allow her to remarry, we believe her. In addition to this, she's extremely unlikely to lie. We saw in the 10th Perek that if she were to marry somebody while she's still married to this man, when he comes back from abroad, she needs to divorce both husbands, and any child which she has would be considered a mumze, she loses her rights to the kasuba. We saw a very long list of consequences and punishments for her in a case where her husband does return. And because of that, she's very unlikely to lie and mess herself up. So if she does come to Basin and claim that her husband is dead, we do believe her and she is allowed to remarry. However, if there is peace between the man and woman, however there is a war going on in the world, specifically where she and her husband went to to travel, in such a case if she comes and claims that her husband died, we suspect that she thinks her husband died. She's not lying, but she thinks that since he was present at the place of the war and other people were killed in the same place and meanwhile she can't find her husband so she assumes that she was he was also killed together with the other people in the war so she's not actually testifying that she saw him dead she's basing it on circumstantial evidence which is not good enough halachically and she's assuming that he's dead so that would not be good enough and therefore she would not be able to remarry as well as that if there is katata bino there is a state of severe argument and disharmony between the man and his wife. Even if there is peace in the world, there isn't a war in the place where they went to. In that case, if she comes and says to Basin that my husband died, she is not believed and she would be forbidden to remarry somebody else. The Gemara explains that when we say that there is an argument going on between him and her, it's not talking about any small argument which they had. That would probably apply to most husbands and wives. Rather, we're talking about a case where she had previously come a while before this. She had come to Bastin and claimed that her husband had divorced her. That's how much she did not get on with her husband. She claimed that he had divorced her and she was found to be lying. But we see that that is how severe their arguments are, and we see that she wants to separate from her husband. And therefore, if she comes and claims that her husband died, we do not believe her, because we suspect that she might be so desperate to separate from her husband, that she'll be willing to go through all of this, and have illegal relations with somebody else, because that would mean that the halacha would be that when he comes back, the base thing would force him and the other man to divorce her. And that way, she would be able to be divorced from her husband and because she is so desperate 
to separate from him. She might be willing to go through all of this and she might be lying and therefore she is not believed. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, She's never believed. Even if she is in a state of harmony and peace with her husband, even if there is no war going on, she's never believed by herself to say that her husband died. Unless she comes crying with her... Um, clothes torn so we see that she is actually mourning over her husband's death and that would be an indication that she is not lying however that is not correct whether this and whether that meaning whether she comes crying and showing her signs of mourning whether she does not show her mourning to not say she can remarry because we do not use that as an indication of whether she's lying or not Women who are good at lying can pretend to be mourning, and so that won't help. And a woman whose husband did die, she might not wish to show her mourning in public. That cannot be the indication of whether she's telling the truth or not. And so the Chachom say, for the reasons which we explained earlier, we assume that she is not lying, unless we know already that there is severe arguments going on between them, or if there is a war going on, but otherwise she would be believed, and she would be permitted to remarry another man.